Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm so excited for you to travel around the world with me in the kitchen. So let's jump in. Did you know that you can teach geography in a ton of different ways? You can teach it with mapping. You can teach it with researching. And one of my favorite ways to teach geography is with cooking and baking. I like to let my kids eat their way across the world. And I think learning is fun. I I know that for me, I love to travel and I love to try new foods when I travel. And that kind of gave me the idea of using food to teach kids about other countries. And then also even you notice kind of a sameness with continents and things like that. So anyway, I am going to take you continent by continent and give you a little bit of geography and give you some creative ways that you can teach your children about these countries. Now, I am using a resource that I put together. I had all these wonderful recipes and all these wonderful ideas. So I created a resource called Travel God's World Cookbook. And you could purchase that at Powerline Prod, but a lot of the material that I'm going to be going over is in this cookbook. So if you're like me, you like to explore places that are beautiful and interesting, and you can do all of that with Travel Guides World Cookbook. There's maps, there's flags, there's information about each continent, there's a list of places to visit foods that you can try, and then there's recipes. Now, the way that I envision that you would use the places to visit idea is that you visit them online because so many places, there's videos, there's where they have simulations where, you know, you can visit a fort and you can see all these different things there. Or maybe, like, I've even watched travel videos on YouTube where people are visiting somewhere, and I'm like, oh, I'll just see how they liked it. And (laughs) I found this one couple who lives in America, American Samoa, and I just watched several of their videos and learned so much about American Samoa um, for um, a series that I'm working on on states and capitals. So anyway, there's just so much out there when it comes to travel that you can learn about. And then, of course, there's travel books. And you can learn so much about other places in travel books. So I am going to start with my own continent, which is North America. And North America, of course, is the second largest continent in the world. And it is it is really neat, mostly inhabited by Native Americans, North America, South America, and Central America, until the Europeans came, and now there's just so much here. But when the Europeans came, they discovered brand new food. They discovered corn, potatoes, bell peppers, chili peppers, beans, pumpkin, cassava root, avocado, pecans, cocoa, which is chocolate, gourds, and squash. So all of that was totally new to them, 
now we think of potatoes, we think of Ireland, but really potatoes were a North American and South American food. And I would say if there's one thing that would characterize North, Central, and South America, really fully would be corn. And you see popcorn and corn mush and grits and corn on the cob in America, but you also find corn syrup in almost every processed food. So corn is just a huge thing in America. But when I think of American food, there's all the regional foods. Canada has different foods than we have. But some of the things I think about with Americans would be pecan pie, tater tots, meatloaf, corn dogs, s'mores, donut holes, chocolate chip cookies, ranch dressing, milkshakes, key lime pie, cob salad, pot roast, Philly cheesesteak, cheeseburgers, beef jerky, buffalo wings, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, cornbread, banana splits, biscuits and gravy, chicken fried steak, potato chips, and of course grits. If you live in the South, you have to eat grits. Now Canadians, it used to be before I started using food to learn about other countries, I used to just think, oh, Canada, it's just maple syrup. But some things I discovered was poteen. You know what that is? <laughs> it's French fries, and they're slathered in gravy and cheese curds. Yes, cheese curds. It's very interesting dish, but really tasty. And then there's butter tarts and beaver tails. Beaver tails are not the tail of a beaver. They're a pastry. And Nanaimo bars, figgy duff, Canadian bacon, and ketchup chips. I, I'm not sure I want to try ketchup chips, but I think it's interesting. So all of those things are from Canada. And normally, when I would talk about North America, like even in the book, I have Mexico under North America. But I'm just going to talk about Mexico when I talk about Central America because the foods are so similar. And if you look in your show notes, I have places that you can actually visit in North America. This is show number 140. So if you go to Finish Well Podcast at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network, you can find my show notes, show number 140, Finish Well. And it has a list of different places like Niagara Falls, the Rocky Mountains, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, Kennedy Space Center, just some different places. And with your homeschooling, you can, before or after you're trying out some recipes, you can look up those places and find out a little bit more about them. And with the recipes, then it says foods you have to try. Like if you're going to study North America, of course, for the Canadians, you have to try maple syrup. And I mean real maple syrup, not the pretend kind. And you have to try poutine. Those are those French, that French fry dish I told you about. But if you're going to try American food, if you're listening and you're not from America, United States of America, you have to try hamburgers, fried chicken, and apple pie. That's just a given. You just have to try those foods. So the next place that I want us to visit is Central America. And again, I, I'm including Mexico and Central America. Normally, I would in, just include it in North America. But Mexico has all those wonderful corn and beans foods, chili pepper foods that are so yummy. And a lot of Central America has similar foods. When we're talking about Central America, we're talking about those countries 
between North and South America, and they are really like Mexico, El Salvador, Panama, Costa Rica, Belize, Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua, and each of those have their very own national foods, but all of them have tamales, tostados, enchiladas, pupusas, yuca frita, and tres leches cake. And of course, tres leches cake is the best dessert in the entire world. It is so moist that it's almost a pudding. It is so good. And you have to try tres leches cake when you're studying Central America. And there's a lot of pyramids in Central America. There's some really exotic cities like Acapulco and Cancun. The snorkeling is amazing. Waterfalls. There's a lake in the middle of a volcano crater. So again, you can see these in the show notes or, of course, the book, Travel Guides World Cookbook. But those are different things that you can try, those foods I mentioned, tamales, tostados, all of those things you can try when you're studying Central America. You can cook them or you can just go out and eat them. And it would be really fun to go to maybe a Honduran restaurant and a Mexican restaurant and a Guatemalan restaurant and see if, how the food is different because it will be a little different in each place. So that's um, just something really fun. Really fun to do is kind of figure out the different flavors and the influences and things like that. So let's move on from Central America. And now we're going to go to the Caribbean. And sometimes you'll hear the Caribbean called the West Indies. And it's it's mostly tropical because it's close to the equator and it's in that tropic zone. And there is so much different influence in Caribbean food. And the reason why is because Africans were brought to the Caribbean to work as slaves. I'm sorry to tell you. British, French, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, they have all influenced the Caribbean flavor and food because some islands are still Dutch. Some islands are still British. Some islands are still Spanish, but they all originally, like a lot of them were occupied by different European nations. But then the Caribbean has these exotic fruits like coconut, bananas, and lemons and limes and oranges. Okay, you've heard of all those and mangoes. You've heard of all those. But what about bread fruit, fruit and passion fruit and jackfruit and star apples and papayas? All of those you can find growing in the Caribbean. And they're, they're honestly quite delicious. Plus, right from the sea, you can get fish and shrimp and all kinds of seafood. So when you are in the Caribbean, you'll find that a lot of the dishes include seafood chicken, goat, sometimes beef, but rice, beans, cassava, cilantro, peppers, yams, tomatoes, onions, garlic, and coconut. So you're going to find, like, you're going to see those foods over and over and over when you're talking about Caribbean food. And that's kind of fun to get to enjoy all those different different flavors of food. And, of course, if you're going to visit the Caribbean, you just have to snorkel. You have to try the beaches. You have to swim with the dolphins. And there's a lot of beautiful churches in the Caribbean, really, really beautiful churches. And I think the oldest church in the whole Caribbean is on the Dominican Republic. I'm not sure. 
But it, there's just some really, really old churches, historic churches. And, of course, there are all kinds of places that are just so, like, you can find colonial towns, old towns, and really neat, like, you you know, maybe in some islands you'll see British influence with the island influence, and then other islands you'll see Dutch influence with the island influence. It's very interesting and fun. And for me, the, some of the things that I think are really exciting to try, if you're going to study the Caribbean, would be conch, mango chutney, coconut rice, breadfruit, of course, I mentioned before, plantains, sugar cakes, and pina coladas. I remember going to Puerto Rico, which is in the Caribbean, when I was a little girl. And this was before the days of virgin drinks. Like, this is way back there, like in the 60s. I'm I'm not a spring chicken. We would go to these places. We'd be walking everywhere. It'd be so warm. I mean, when you go to the Caribbean, it's hot. It's just hot. I said warm, but it's really hot. And so you go into all these different places, and my parents would get a drink. And then a lot of times the bartender would look at my at us, and he would say, what if I make them... Uh, pina colada without the rum. And so he would. And so we got pina coladas everywhere we went, my sister and I, and they were delicious. And so that's really fun to make is a virgin pina colada. It just tastes good. It's, you know, you blend up the ice. That's action for the boys. And it's it's really delicious. It's really, really delicious. So now we're going to move from the Caribbean and we're going to go to South America. And again, you're seeing similarities between Central America and South America and similarities sometimes between the Caribbean. The Caribbean almost just is a world of its own. But you still can see that Spanish flavor, but you also see the other flavors in there too. Now, South America is home to 12 countries. You have got the Amazon River, which is a tropical rainforest and straddles the equator. And then you've got glaciers down at the bottom of South America near Antarctica. So you have got from the really warm, hot to the really cold. In the beginning, South America was colonized by the Portuguese and the Spanish. And of course, they squabbled over who owned what, even though really they didn't own it. So it ended up that the Pope just made this line of demarcation right down through the continent it based on a line of longitude and on the east side portugal got it on the west side spain got it so portugal of course got brazil and when you go to brazil brazil has more of the portuguese culture and of course the portuguese language so it's very very interesting the rest of it was colonized by the spanish and so you hear spanish everywhere as well as Native American languages. Now, corn grows in a wide variety in South America, just like Central America and North America. And South America is home to chocolate. So chocolate was actually originally from South America, which is so wonderful. And lima beans, avocados, potatoes, sweet potatoes, And then what about eating llama, alpaca, or guinea pig? Yeah, you can do that in South America. And actually, very interesting. I'm working on a cookbook of the 50 states in America, and I just found out that they actually have alpaca 
and emu farms out west. So it's no longer just a South American thing. You could probably get your butcher at your grocery store to get a hold of some of these uh, more exotic meats for you. They're exotic to us, but down in South America, oh, yeah, we eat guinea pig all the time. I don't know that I could eat a guinea pig. I just don't know. I just don't know if I could. So, and again, you find all this tropical fruit in South America because so much of it is close to the equator. You find mango and guava and pineapple and papaya and passion fruit and, of course, bananas and coconut. And so you've got a lot of tropical kind of fruits and things. Another big staple in South America is queso blanco or white cheese. And so you see that in a lot of things, like maybe crumbled over a salad or crumbled over soups. And quinoa, quinoa is that, now it, now we, you see it everywhere in America, but quinoa is actually from South America and it, it, it's been a South American staple for centuries. So now my favorite thing from South America is of course the coffee. There's just Brazilian coffee and Colombian coffee, just really, really, really good coffee. They're too beautiful waterfalls you have to see if you go to South America. One is Angel Falls, and that's in Venezuela, and the other is Igazu Falls, and that is on the border between, oh goodness, you know what, it's on the border between two South American countries, and my brain just went dead, but I believe, anyway, I'm not going to say what I believe, because it could be wrong. But it is beautiful, beautiful. And then, of course, the Amazon rainforest. There's the big statue of Jesus in Brazil. There is a a church that is built into the mountain in Colombia. There's colonial towns. There's the Atacama Desert, which is so interesting. So there's a lot of exciting places to visit in South America. Now, for food to try... Again, you've got some overlap with Central America and and some with Caribbean, but here's some things that are just really unique to South America. Black beans, although, of course, you would say, well, the Cubans have black beans and rice. That's true, so that's overlap. Arroz con pollo, or chicken and rice, and yes, you find that in the Caribbean, and you find that in Central America. Guinea pig, you just mainly see that in South America. Alpaca. Cheesy potatoes. My daughter's mother-in-law makes cheesy potatoes, and they are amazing. She is from Ecuador. And then flan, of course. Now, flan you'll find in the Caribbean and also in Central America. And then coffee, just the best coffee ever. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a trip across the Atlantic Ocean, and we're going to go north and east, and we're going to head to Europe. And Europe is, wow, Europe is just amazing. It's full of beautiful cathedrals, monasteries, museums. I think I could spend, you could just drop me off in a European cathedral or a European museum like the British Museum or the Westminster Cathedral, and I could just stay there forever. I love the architecture. I love all the exhibits in the museums. It's just so exciting. So Europe is full of mountains and forests and farms, and there's no deserts in Europe. Isn't that interesting? We learn about all the deserts in every other continent, but there's no deserts in Europe, and it's just very lush, very lush place. They produce 
their farmers produce a lot of grains, a lot of cereals, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits. When you go to Europe, you can always find delicious freshly baked bread. And every country has its own culture, its own flavor. So, so interesting. In Europe, just like North America and Australia, meat is preeminent. And so meat will be the main focus in a meal. And dairy products are really popular in Europe. And that includes milk and cream and ice cream and cheese and yogurt and chocolate. Once the Europeans discovered chocolate over in the New World, honey, they brought it back. And they brought it back big. And you can have delicious chocolate in Belgium and Switzerland and England. And really, they all kind of have their unique twist on it. They love sweets. Europeans love sweets. And you'll see just the most rich and calorie-laden and absolutely delicious desserts ever in Europe. Fruits that grow in Europe would be apples, pears, cherries, peaches, apricots, plums, gooseberries, currants, grapes, and really all kinds of berries grow in Europe. Down if you go further south, like into Spain, you've got oranges, lemons, tangerines, and grapefruit. And Europeans will import whatever they find in the country, Another country that they like, they will just import it. So they import a lot too. And mealtime is really special to Europeans. The Italians take hours to eat their dinner. Their their dinner just goes on and on and on. And they just really relax and enjoy the meal. And so it's definitely, you have to just eat dinner in Italy when you're there and have the coffee. The coffee is amazing in Italy. But if you're going to go to Europe, of course, you have to see the Eiffel Tower and Big Ben and Westminster Cathedral and Notre Dame and that beautiful Charles Bridge next to Prague Castle. You have to go to Venice. You have to go to Assisi. I went to Assisi and I was so amazed that there is this walled town from the Middle Ages And people live in it and drive in it. And I was thinking, how on earth do these roads last so long? They're always repaving my roads about every three years. And there, there's, there are these, this beautiful, beautiful place. Also the Cinderella, I call it the Cinderella Castle in Germany. It, it really was built by King Ludwig and the Vatican. And the Swiss Alps, there's just so much to see in Europe. And again, for the complete list, you can look at my show notes. But when you're in Europe, you have to try paella from Spain, fish and chips from England, cog avin from France, ratatouille also from France, corned beef and cabbage. And of course, that is from Ireland. Rye bread from the... um Norwegian countries, fondue from Switzerland, schnitzel from Germany, and gelato from Italy. So all of those things are so yummy. They are so yummy. So again, I just, I really want to encourage you to get the Travel God's World cookbook. It is such a great resource for teaching geography. Not only is are all the countries, there's countries from every continent with a list of places to visit. And of course, you know that you and your child can visit those places online. You don't have to buy a plane ticket and travel. You can visit right online and see those places, those beautiful places. There are photos in it. It tells you about each continent 
It gives you recipes from several different countries in the continent. And then for each country, it tells you places of interest and it tells you foods that you have to try. So I really encourage you to purchase Travel God's World Cookbook. It's at PowerlineProd.com and it is very inexpensive and really a very great geography resource for your home, for your home school. The next place that we're going to go is we're just going to hop across the Mediterranean Sea and we are going to go to Africa. Now, Africa is a land of contrasts. On the one hand, you have the lush Congo rainforest and on the other, you have the very desolate Sahara Desert. And it's just like you just think of those two places side by side. But then you've got more. You've got the tropical grasslands. And a lot of times when we think of Africa, we think of the tropical grasslands. We think of the elephants and the giraffes and them all running through the grass. So you have those amazing, amazing contrasts in Africa. In northern Africa, there's a strong Arab influence in their food and in their culture. And they have brought a lot of spice into their dishes. And it's very, like, they use things like saffron and nutmeg and cinnamon and ginger and cloves. And this this has been added to things that they eat, like, they eat a lot of olives, olive oil, dates, coconut. And when the Turks took over, they captured so much of northern Africa and so much of the Middle East. The Turks brought dessert. They brought dessert into them. So they they hadn't eaten a lot of dessert before that, but they brought in things like that. And then also, they have become really attached to American foods like tomatoes, zucchini, potatoes, and chili peppers. So now, like even though those are, yes, foods found in North America, these, the northern Africans really enjoy that. Swahili cuisine... They also use a lot of saffron and cinnamon in their dishes, and they have been heavily influenced by the Portuguese and Spanish. So they've got oranges, lemons, limes, chili peppers, corn, tomatoes, pineapple, and pork into their foods. And, of course, that's because when you're talking to your children, that's because the Spanish and Portuguese were colonizing them. Now, Central Africans love meat. They are huge hunters, and they enjoy... Now, I don't know if you want to try these foods, and I'm just going to tell you. They enjoy monkey, crocodile, antelope, and warthog. Again, I don't know if I could eat a monkey. I They're just so cute. I don't know that I could eat one. They eat a lot of cassava, which is a real starchy food, kind of like a potato, and chili peppers. Those were brought over from South America, but they grow really well in Africa. Western Africa is very light on the meat, but heavy on the uh, the carbs and the fats. So they add a lot of peppers, cinnamons, cloves, and mint to their dishes. And then Southern Africa is heavily influenced by the British and the Dutch. So they like to eat antelope and ostrich along with fresh fruit like grapes, mangoes, papayas, and bananas. So that's kind of, I just took you on a rapid tour of Africa and all the different kind of foods that they like. When you are visiting Africa, 
you want to see the pyramids of Egypt. If you do nothing else, see the pyramids of Egypt. And then, of course, way further south is the Victoria Falls. It's just absolutely breathtaking. But one thing to me about going to Africa is seeing the animals. So if you want to see the gorillas and the chimpanzees, you would go to Virunga National Park. If you want to see the safari animals that I was talking about earlier, you go. You can go to a place like Masar Mara National Reserve. And so there's all kinds of national parks in Africa. And, of course, we usually find the gorillas and the chimpanzees more in the mountainous areas. There's also the Kalahari Desert, and there's Mount Kilimanjaro. There is Zanzibar, which is an exciting little town. There's Madagascar. Just some really beautiful places that you want to check out. And I was thinking, if I could just kind of give you like an overview of some different foods to try from Africa, I was thinking of these foods. Akara balls, kushari, chicken tagine, boboti, curried cabbage, red lentils with yams, tahini dip, puff puffs, and honey cakes. So that is kind of a combination of foods from all over Africa. And just, again, such a difference. I love that the cultures are so different and the foods are so different, but really delicious food. Now we are going to go to the biggest continent in the world. And from the Himalayan mountains to the tropical rainforests of Vietnam to the deserts of the Middle East, Asia is big. You know, we always say in America, everything's bigger in Texas, but I'll tell you what, everything is big in Asia. One of the things when you're talking about Asia is some of the biggest cities in the entire world are in Asia. They have not only the biggest continent, but the most people. God created the world and planted the first garden, the Garden of Eden in Asia. Isn't that interesting? He allowed the ark to rest on a mountain in Asia. Jerusalem is in Asia. Just so interesting. Uh, white rice is such a big part of the Eastern Asian culture. So, And curry is a popular, really popular spice in India and, and the Middle East. So, it's, And also coconut milk. So it's just kind of interesting that that it almost feels like the Middle East has one kind of culture of food and the Far East has another. A lot of times in Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand, their foods are a lot like the Chinese and Japanese food, but instead of using soy sauce, they use fish sauce. And in India, India oh, Indian food is so good, isn't it? I just love Asian food. Asian food is so good. And I would love to go and just be there in person and eat it. When you get into the Middle East, again, sort of like Northern Africa, you've got olives, olive oil, pitas, honey, sesame seeds, dates, chickpeas, mint, and parsley. Um, rice and barley are a huge part of, of food in the Middle East. So I guess if you could pick one food that would be purely Asian, I would have to say it would probably be white rice. 
rice just seems to be really important and really popular. How on earth could you see, how do you narrow down what to see in Asia? It's so big. But I did narrow down to a few things. Of course, you have to see the Great Wall of China and the Forbidden City. You have to go to Japan and see Mount Fuji just because there's so many paintings of Mount Fuji, and it's absolutely beautiful. You have to go to India and see the Taj Mahal. And Singapore. Singapore is a really interesting city. And then, of course, you have to see the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I mean, for, you know, if you're interested in the Bible, if you're a Christian, you just want to see those things. And then the Asian part of Turkey is home to Ephesus and Cappadocia, both mentioned in the Bible. Very, very interesting cities. And if you're going to get a taste of Asian food, I would recommend, of course, rice, hummus, chop suey, Mongolian beef, boba tea, which is from Taiwan, and pineapple cakes. And all of those foods will kind of give you a taste of what, of, of Asian culture. Again, it's so hard to say Asian culture because the continent is just so, so, so big. So we're going to end our little journey here. We've been journeying around the world in the kitchen. We're going to end our journey here with Australia, New Zealand, and Oceania. And Australia is called the land down under. Oceania used to be called the South Seas, and I think that's so romantic. You go in that area of the world from the tropical paradise of Polynesia, of Samoa, of those different places, to the glaciers of of New Zealand's south end. So just such a difference there. Again, it's such a vast, it's such a big place. Australia has its own unique cuisine that includes eating kangaroo. And they also have a lot of British influence on their food, but they've kind of adapted it barbecuing, different things that are really big there that just are kind of unique to them. New Zealand is a great farming country, a lot of sheep, and they export kiwi fruit. They actually call themselves kiwi. So, of course, you're going to find kiwi, but when you see the word kiwi, it doesn't always mean that you are going to have the kiwi fruit. It could mean like kiwi dip. It doesn't have kiwi in it, but because they call themselves Kiwis, it means it's a New Zealand dip. Oceania is just a huge, big mix of tastes and cooking styles. There's so many countries. And there's also just uninhibited, uninhabited tropical islands with no names. And so, wow, I wonder what you could eat on those islands and what's growing there. But you've got French influence, American influence, British influence, Dutch influence, as well as the native influence. And so you've just got a lot, a lot, again, just like the Caribbean, a lot of fish, a lot of seafood, and a lot of tropical fruits. You have macadamia nuts. When I'm looking at Oceania, a lot of recipes with coconut milk in it and with tropical fruits. Just very, very, it's a tropical island. So just think tropical island and you've got a feel for Oceania and the, the foods that come there. If we're going to visit Australia, New Zealand, and Oceania, um, we have to see the Sydney 
Opera House. It's just a really interesting building. And of course, the Great Barrier Reef. We have to go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. But there's also the Outback. There's Kangaroo Island. There's Fiji. There's a beautiful waterfall in Samoa and and more beautiful waterfalls in Tahiti and really in many of those tropical islands. Just beautiful islands with mountains and lakes and rivers and really, really pretty. So um, if we're going to eat some food from this area, kiwi dip, like I mentioned, again, it doesn't have kiwi in it. It's It's basically saying New Zealand dip. Cheese and bacon rolls and dagwood dogs. Those are, those are Australian, I would call them corn dogs, but they're different than corn dogs, but that's what they look like. Chicken fafa, emu, crocodile, kangaroo, green chicken curry pie, raw fish mixed with citrus and coconut milk, mumu, which is similar to when you think of Hawaiian luau. They cook meat, fruit, and coconut milk in a pit, a banana-lined pit, and they just let it steam for hours. A fairy bread and lamingtons are both from New Zealand. Fairy bread and lamingtons are, of course, have kind of the British influence popular in Australia and New Zealand. So I've just taken you on a quick trip around the world and talked to you about different foods and things that you can try. And I hope that you have had fun and kind of have an appetite to try some new things and just try some maybe create creativity with um, geography in bringing food in. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful week. I will see you again in two weeks. I can't wait. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.